How's everyone doing this morning? Let's try that again. How's everyone doing this morning? It's good to have you here at City Church. And uh, I know that vacation season is slowly beginning to wind down. It's kind of getting to that point of time. And um, for all of the college students and other grade students that are here at City, I know that there's that pending doom of going back to school. Anybody here know exactly? How about the teachers that are here? Any of the teachers going, oh, good Lord, help us, right? So, by the way, we will be praying for all the students and all the teachers. We do that every year as we're moving towards school. Now, um, what we're doing at City for the next several weeks is we are moving towards a teaching series that's based upon the Olympics. It's based upon the Olympics. And believe it or not, the Olympics were around at the time of the writing of the Newer Testament. And the Apostle Paul makes references to some of the sporting events that are involved with the Olympics. Now, not only that, there are certain sports that are part of the Olympics that you will find referenced throughout the Older Testament and the Newer Testament. And so we're going to have a good time kind of looking at those realities through the lens of Scripture. Now, how many of you are like me? You love the Olympics. Raise your hand. Wow, that's kind of lame, but I'm believing you that you like the Olympics. I, I can remember as a young boy, my family was just glued to the tube. I was an ice hockey player. And I, I know, right? And so I was an ice hockey player, and I can remember being a young boy and seeing the U.S. Olympic team. And I'd looked at my father and I said, Dad, there's one day I'm going to play on the U.S. Olympic team. And then at about the age of 12, I played against a guy who was good enough to be on the U.S. Olympic team, and he took a slap shot from the far blue line. I was backing up on my blue line, and it hit me right in the solar plexus. It lifted me up off the ice, and I went down, and I thought I was going to meet my maker. It was on that day I determined I would not be playing ice hockey in the Olympics. Now, in looking at the whole idea of the Olympic theme, sort of the subline of this will be this, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. If you were to meet with athletes and you would talk with these Olympic quality athletes, I will tell you these people do whatever it takes in order to get what they need. Now, what we know is there are many who have broken rules in sports to do that. But what we're talking about is whatever it takes within the confines of Scripture as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus doing whatever it takes to be as close to Christ and then to serve others. Now what we're going to talk about this morning is a story in Scripture that involves wrestling. It involves wrestling. Some of you have been to city for any period of time. You might get tired of hearing about wrestling. I wrestled as a young boy. When I was in first grade in Wisconsin, they started moving some of the young boys towards wrestling, and I became a wrestler. And in the second grade, I was, we were already wrestling other schools. And I think the matches lasted probably about a minute total. There were three 20-second periods or whatever that is. And I can just remember as a young boy being so excited to get out there and wrestle. 
And then I experience what's called looking at the lights. As a wrestler, you never want to look at the lights because if you do, that means you're on your back and you're looking at the lights and you're in the process of being pinned. That never happened to me in my entire wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. It happened more frequently than I care to mention. I'm going to reference one of those events in just a few moments. But it's incredible to think that Scripture in the Newer Testament mentions wrestling and in the Older Testament as well. And what I know about wrestling is, of all the sports I've ever participated in, wrestling was the most grueling sport. But here's the other thing about wrestling. It's just you and the other person. That's it. It's you and your ability, your cardio, your strength, your knowledge of the sport. All of that comes together, and it's just you and the other person in the middle of the mat, and it's game time. And what's pretty amazing is, is that Scripture speaks about a wrestling match in the Older Testament that affects you more than you would ever imagine. But there is a wrestling match in the Older Testament where there was a man who literally wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. Now, I'm going to mention his name in a moment, and some of you already know his name, but what you need to know is his name is the most repeated name in Scripture, in all of the Bible. If you were to look, you would discover that Jesus is the third most mentioned name in all of Scripture, just under a 1,000. Then there is King David. David is a little over a 1,000, and he's mentioned the second most. But the third most mentioned name or the first most mentioned name in all of Scripture is mentioned three times more often than the name of Jesus. What that tells me is this guy matters. He matters. Now, when I tell you his name, you're going to say to me, but uh, you kind of cheated. His name is Jacob. Jacob. But Jacob's name was changed to... Israel. And some of you are going, come on, man, that doesn't, you know. But understand, every time you say the word Israel, you are referencing a man by the name of Jacob and an episode where he wrestles with God. Because it's in that episode where God renames him from Jacob to Israel. And as we look in the scriptures, I'm going to ask that you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, and we're going to begin reading in verse 22. Genesis chapter 32, begin reading in verse 22. Now what we're going to do is we're going to read the text, then I'm going to give you the backstory of it, and we will kind of peel the story apart and discern how we can apply some things to our lives The heading in verse 22 says this, Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob wrestles with God. Verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, push the pause button, this is Old Testament, all right, so let's move on. That that night, so you know, some of the guys are going, two wives? 
One is enough. I mean, why would... Anyway, let's go back to this and just keep going. By the way, that's a slam on men, not women. Trust me. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford at Jadok. Just so you know, Joseph, his favorite son, had not been born yet. So he's got 11 sons and his wives, and he crosses the ford. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but what? Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. In other words, what Jacob says is, I saw God face to face, and I did not die. That's what he says, reading on. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What an amazing story. But here's some of the backstory so that this comes out in context. Jacob, if you were to read earlier in Genesis, long before he wrestles with God, comes out as one of two twins. His older brother, his name was Esau, and he came out hairy and red. So they named him Esau, which means hairy and red. Then came Jacob. Well, what was interesting is, is Jacob was born, Esau comes out first, Jacob has latched on to the heel of his older brother. And as he comes out, he is named Jacob, which means conniver or supplanter. It's a Hebrew phrase that speaks one who grabs the heel. It speaks of trickery and trying to overcome someone. And so Jacob was named that. I will never forget When I was at Princeton, I met a lady who was serving in the faculty dining hall there. And we were there in the faculty hall, and she came over and was waiting on people at tables, and she came over to my table, and I looked up, and her name was Bloody. B-L-O-O-D-Y. Bloody. And I couldn't help myself. I said, what's your name? She said, my name is Bloody. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's bloody. <laughs> and she said, I'm from Haiti. 
And when I was born, I was covered in blood. And my father named me Bloody. I'm thinking, honey, you need a name change. Just change. But I'm going to tell you something. She had zero shame for her name. It's what her dad named her. It was an incredible interaction. But in this story, Jacob, which means conniver, manipulator, he lives up to his name. Because as he grows up in years, Esau is the oldest. He is to receive the blessing from Isaac, their father. And some of you know the Older Testament story. You've got Esau, who's hairy and burly man, and he's a hunter of the fields. And you've got Jacob, who lives around the tents, and he likes to cook and do all that stuff. They're very different, even though they're twins. So Jacob, as a conniver, as a deceiver, as a surplanter, what he does is he kills an animal and he puts hair on his arms and he falsifies the tonality of his voice and he goes into his dad when his dad is old and blind and he steals the blessing from his older brother, which in Jewish reality is huge. So what happens is Jacob steals his brother's blessing. And could you imagine how well these two get along? Not at all. And there comes a point in time where Jacob has to leave. There's some other big events that happen in his life, but he ends up moving on, and he knows that, or he believes that if he runs into Esau, Esau will kill him. So can you imagine living way up into your years where you're always worried about running into your brother, and his brother actually has become by this time a separate people group by the time that Jacob wrestles with God, and he's literally becoming a different nation than Jacob is. And so in our story, what you would discover is, is Jacob has some God encounters. This isn't the first one. One encounter that Jacob has is very famous. There's what's called Jacob's Ladder. Jacob has a dream, and God comes to Jacob, and he says this. It's fascinating. He says, I am the God of Abraham, and I am the God of Isaac, and it stops there. You see, we know the God of the Older Testament is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Jacob. But you see, God introduces himself in these encounters to Jacob, and he says, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac. And he says to him, but I would like to be the God of Jacob. And so 20 years prior to this wrestling match, Jacob kind of cuts a deal with God. Have you ever cut a deal with God? Will you say, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Some of us are sitting here going, that's my prayer life. As a matter of fact, God, you do this, I'll do that. So Jacob does this. God comes to him and says, I'd like to be the God of Isaac and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob says to God, God, listen. In chapter 28 of Genesis, he says, listen, God, if you will take care of me and you will feed me and you will clothe me and you will take me back to the land of Canaan, the land of blessing." the land where my father lived, the land that you gave to Abraham, if you will take me back to the land of Canaan, if you will do that, then you will be my God. The episode that we just read is God 
calling in that commitment 20 years later. God meets Jacob as he's moving into the land of Canaan, and he calls in that commitment 20 years later that Jacob had made to God. And that calling in takes place as a wrestling match. And what we just read is that wrestling match where Jacob is wrestling with this individual that Scripture tells us is God. Now let's talk a little bit about wrestling. You will notice in this story that Jacob wrestles God, wrestles with God, or this man who represents God. By the way, many people believe this is what's called a Christophany. It's where Christ literally appears in the Older Testament. Although the Older Testament writers believed that it was actually an angel of God or the angel of God, this angel that literally represented God's presence. So here we have this wrestling match, and this wrestling match happens sometime at night. He sends his family across, all of his possessions across. God shows up to call in that 20-year-old commitment because God has done what Jacob has asked him to do. He is blessed, he is clothed, he has prospered. So in this wrestling match, what you find is that Jacob is wrestling with this man and the scripture tells us that he is able to wrestle with him. Now how I picture that is in the following way. I picture God as a man wrestling with Jacob, and here's the analogy that struck me. How many of you like nature shows? Do you like watching nature shows? I love them. Reality shows, not at all. Nature shows, God's reality, I love it. Yes, that was a qualifying statement for those of you who didn't catch that. So I love watching nature, and what I love watching the most are those African shows that show lions. Love them. The shows that I avoid show up on the week that on television is called Shark Week. I avoid that. You want to know why? We go to the OBX. We go to OBX, the Outer Banks, with my wife's family every year, and there's a huge chance or a maybe a minutia of a chance that I could actually meet one of those sharks. That's why I never watch Shark Week. Totally disinterested, but lions, on the other hand, whenever I've met one, they've been behind five inches of glass. So I'm figuring I'll watch those guys, but not Shark Week. But here's how I picture this. One of the cutest things you'll ever see in nature is when that regal male lion moves in among the pride that he runs. And he lays down, and one of these cute little cubs runs up to him and begins to bite his neck. You ever seen that? And you can hear that little rascal just growling. He's about the length of your forearm, and he's just chewing in and just digging in, and he actually thinks he's getting somewhere, and he's growling, and all of a sudden, the dad stands up, and the little fella's hanging from his throat, and he goes, And the little guy sails about 15 feet, and the lion kind of stretches and walks away. (laughs) Believe me, when you look at this story, 
Here God is wrestling with Jacob. Better yet, Jacob is wrestling with God. He's trying to get into Canaan. He's trying to move into the promise of God. And the man of God is wrestling him and keeping him from moving to where he knows the promise of God is. Why? Because God's calling in Jacob's vow to him that God would not just be the God of Abraham and Isaac, but he would become the God of Jacob too. And so this wrestling match is going on. Now, in order to help me to explain what's going on, I'm going to ask Steve Garland to come on up here and join me. Everyone say, good morning, Steve. It's not that hard to get up there. (laughs) So Steve serves is the head wrestling coach at the University of Virginia. Yeah, that's right. Let's clap for him. So Steve, um, how many years have you wrestled yourself? Just how many years total? When did you start? And then how many years did you wrestle before you got into coaching? Started in 1989 and uh, wrestled for five years in college and started my 17th year as a coach. So what's that cumulatively? How many years? What's 17 plus five? It's at 22, 22 years collegiate experience, and then another, what's 88 minus 95? Somebody help me out. A lot, a lot. You've been there a yeah, long time. There. Yeah, Yeah. Probably more years officially involved in wrestling than anyone else. That's why I walk like this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're going to get to that yeah. in a moment. Um, and so in your wrestling career, you were all American, mm-hmm. took second in the country, right, for your weight class? Yeah. Yeah. yeah? It's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. And then you've coached literally hundreds, if not thousands, of wrestlers. Yeah. Okay. Now, in our biblical story, now catch this. You've got Jacob wrestling with God, right? Now, I have this very important question. Remember the lion imagery with the little cub just going boom? The Scripture tells us that God touches his hip, and his hip joint blows out done. Now, in all of your expertise and all of your years of training, I have a question for you. Could Jacob continue to wrestle? No. You can be seated. Thank you very much. That's what that was all about. Thank you very much. We went through all that just to get you here, the guy that knows all about wrestling, to tell you, could Jacob continue to wrestle? Answer is... No. He could no longer wrestle. That touch, like that huge lion king just slapping that cub, God and this God-man reaches down and just touches him, and his hip blows out. What God does to Jacob is make it so that he can no longer, in the physical realm, beyond the offensive. But what Scripture tells us is, this God-man, after touching him, can't get out of Jacob's grip. Jacob is now kind of in this ankle-biting, hanging on for dear life, and the guy can't shake him off. He's no longer on the offensive, but now he's in the mode where he's not going to let this guy go. 
Now, let me explain a similar situation from my own illustrious wrestling career. I went to high school in a, for a couple of years, my last couple of years of high school, I was at Hopewell Valley High School right near Pennington, New Jersey, and I wrestled. And so we wrestled against Trenton High School. And Trenton High School at that time had a couple of wrestlers that were ranked in the state, if not nationally. And I remember we went to wrestle Trenton, or Trenton High School, and we went into their gym, and it was extremely intimidating because when we entered in, we entered in the bus, and the bus was parked in a cage. And then you would walk down a hallway, and there were bars on all the windows. It was inner city. And when you went into the gym, they literally had kind of like a cage to keep the fans from getting down onto the mat. And by the way, I wrestled about 104 pounds that year. So I was massive. Big guy. So I go out, and how it would work, if you've never seen a wrestling match, is you line up across the mat from the person diagonally that you're going to wrestle, and when they call your name, you step out into the middle of the mat before all the matches begin, and you shake the hand of the guy that you're going to wrestle. So I'm lined up, they're lined up, and this guy comes out, and I recognized him. He was like second in the state. I was ranked in the state. And here he comes, and he walks out into the center, and I hold out my hand. Here's what he does. He never puts out his hand. He just falls forward onto his forehead, spins around, arches his back, and flips up and shakes my hand. He had already won the match. Match was over. I looked at him and go, how did he do that? And then I'm going to be all in that in just a couple of moments, right? So you know what I did? I went into what I call don't get pinned mode. I wasn't looking to win, but I determined this guy's not going to pin me. That was my entire goal. Not to win, but don't get pinned. So the match started, and I just grabbed a hold of whatever was there and started hanging on. Literally, it's all I did. Ref was saying, stop stalling on the bottom, stop stalling on the bottom, and I'm going, I just don't want to get pinned. That's the entire purpose of this, and the best way to not get pinned is just hang on to the guy. Look, it was so long ago, I don't remember how the match ended. I have no clue. I think he got a superior decision, so at that point, it's like the you know, when you're ahead by 15 runs in a softball game, they just end it or whatever. But I, I know I didn't get pinned. <laughs> I didn't. I just didn't get pinned. That was the whole goal. Now, I want you to picture this. That's what Jacob's doing. Jacob, after his hip is blown out, he can't be on the offensive anymore. What his purpose is now is to hang on. And he tells us why. He says, you know, I'm going to hang on until you bless me. Until you bless me, I'm not going to let you go. And I can promise if you have a blown out hip, you can't even barely walk. And the pain would be unbelievable. And yet, But Jacob was tenacious, 
and he held on. In the middle of that wrestling match, God says to Jacob, your name used to be surplanter, conniver, deceiver. But now because you have wrestled with God, I'm going to rename you and your name will be Israel. For you have striven with God and with men. And it's funny. God says, Jacob, you've prevailed. You prevailed with God and with man. And you listen in verse 30 to what Jacob says. That's not what Jacob says. What Jacob says in verse 30 is this. I saw God face to face and I did not die. That's two total different perspectives. God was saying, you wrestled with man, and you wrestled with God, and you prevailed. And Jacob exited that going, barely got through that with my life. Two different perspectives. And so I want to talk to us candidly about wrestling with God. Some of us sitting here in this auditorium, you are in the midst of, of the greatest wrestling match of your life. I want you to understand, learn what God's perspective is about you. God loves you. God has the best for you. Maybe in the midst of this wrestling, God's going to touch something in you so that you can no longer rely on what you've been relying on. Let me be blunt, Jacob was a conniver. He had cheated people, he had deceived people, but he was also a brilliant businessman. He had prospered, he had done everything by outsmarting and outwitting and outmaneuvering and having political savvy along with physical strength. But when God wrestles with him, God takes away his greatest access of strength so that Jacob will begin to wrestle with God in a new way. But what I want to say very, very clearly is this. Some of us have been in the midst of wrestling and you believe that you're just getting out with your very life and here's what God would say, you are actually prevailing in the midst of it. You're doing better than you think. That God looks down and says, you're prevailing. Hang on. Don't let go. Be faithful. Stay the course. Don't loosen your grip because there will come a time where you will be blessed. But you've got to hang on. Even if you feel like you're in a defensive posture, that you're exhausted, you're worn out, you've come to the end of yourself, please understand that just because you feel that way does not mean in the eyes of God that you have ceased to prevail. But hang in there. Don't let go. Cling to God and trust him. Here's why. Please know this. For many of us, we're good at prevailing with people. But we're not so good at prevailing with God. Some of us sitting here know that God has been kind of trying to talk to us about something in our life. Instead of going in and wrestling it out with God, we avoid the mat every chance we get. 
What I will tell you is, and I think this is key, if we're going to grow spiritually, there will be certain things that I believe God, by his grace and his love, must deal with in our lives. He must. And you see, for Jacob, getting into Canaan was the promised land. That's the land that's promised to his grandfather Abraham, his father Isaac, and now it's moving to where he's going to inherit that blessing. And what happens is God wrestles with him and blocks him from getting in because if he goes in as Jacob and not as Israel, everything changes. Everything. What we know about the Older Testament would be radically altered. So what I believe with all of my heart is some of us have been avoiding the wrestling mat. Others of us are in it and just know this. Yes, there are times, and this flies in the face of hyper-spiritual prosperity doctrine. God will show you your weakness even if it hurts you so that you will discover his great strength. Now, I know that doesn't preach well in the Western world, but what I know is it is clearly God who wounds Jacob, and oh, by the way, he limps for the rest of his life. But it's an honored limp. It's honored. Because all Jews, even to this day, will not eat the tendon that's attached to the hip. It's a constant reminder that man wrestles with God, and when man wrestles with God, God does what's necessary in order for us to learn to be blessed and to trust him. Now, here's what I believe. I believe you're here because you would like a life that is blessed by God. Blessed by God. But what I know is, for the vast majority of us, that will mean wrestling with God. Look at what the name Israel actually means. It means prevails with God. What a great name. Prevails with God. Where in your spiritual life as a follower of Jesus who is serving others, that there would be that assurance that you have prevailed with God. What a thought. But there are three things that came to my mind in closing that we can sort of extrapolate out of this story and say, okay, what can we learn? There's three things. Number one. To wrestle with God means you do it alone. Now, it's not that other people don't know what's going on in your heart and your life, but what I will tell you is you have to wrestle for you. It's about you. You can't have Abraham's faith. You can't have Isaac's faith. You've got to have Jacob's faith. And what that means is, is that you've read the biblical stories. Some of us here have friends who have incredible faith and they've been bringing you to city. You have a mother or a father that has faith. They've talked to you about it. You have grandparents who have incredible faith. And a matter of fact, you'd say, you know what? There's stories that I remember where my grandparents wrestled with God. 
But here's what I would say to you. Your grandparents wrestled with God. Your friends have wrestled with God. You and I must wrestle with God alone. I have to wrestle my own match. That's how this works. The next thing is this. Number two. When you wrestle with God, my inadequacies begin to show. They do. For some of us, Spiritually speaking, our greatest strength in the natural is actually what keeps us from really moving forward with God. I personally believe that Jacob was strong as a bull. I really do. And he had relied on that physical, natural strength to just push through and grind and get what he wanted And God says, if you're going to be Israel, that can't be in your life anymore. And he pops out his hip. And I believe for the rest of his life, Jacob walked in a way, not so much that the hip was out all the time, but he remembered the incredible pain of what it felt like when it blew out. And so he favors that hip every steps he takes. And it's a constant reminder of the work that God has done in his life. What I can tell you is, for some of us, our greatest strength when we are dealing with people is actually an incredible weakness in our relationship with God. And here's what I know. When you wrestle with God and your inadequacies show, don't think God is ashamed of you. He's trying to bring them to the surface so that you can be fully what he wants you to be He wants me to be. And the last thing is this. I'm sure it's completely obvious. Trust in God's word and hang on. Don't let go. 20 years earlier before this wrestling match, God came to Jacob. He said, I want to be your God. I've been the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Now I want to be yours. And I want to bless you. And I want to be with you. And I want a personal relationship with you. And what we know is Jacob was clinging to that promise. That was the word of God for Jacob. And the Newer Testament and the Older Testament are filled with the promises of God. But here's what I would say to you if you're in the midst of a wrestling match and you don't feel like you're prevailing. Hang on. Grab a scripture Get a promise from God's word. Hang on to it. Keep it center focused as you spiritually wrestle through what you're going through. Because here's what I know. If we trust in God's word and we trust in God's promises and we hang on and we don't let go, we will come out the other side. Our walk will be different. And I believe we will be blessed. I believe that. As we wrap up our time, there's one verse of Scripture that I want us to read together. Because what I believe, this is the beginning of a walk with God. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I just wanted to read it out loud. I'd like for you to read it out loud as well. Can we read it together? Out loud. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not 
from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. One more time, let's read it out loud. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Listen, you know what that verse tells us? You're not saved by leg strength. You're not saved by raw tenacity. You are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus because if it was due to our own strength, we would boast. Let me tell you what. If Jacob had moved into Canaan without wrestling with God, he would have boasted about all that he had done. But instead, he went into Canaan as Israel, the man who had wrestled with God and prevailed. Let's stand together as we close. As we stand together in closing, what I would like for us to do is close our eyes but leave our hearts wide open. Some of us are in the midst of wrestling. You are. And in this moment, we're going to kind of conclude by praying with you and praying for you. But if that's you, please know that God is going to use it to mature you and to build up your faith because that's more important than anything in our walks with Jesus. As we stand before God, I'm going to ask you to respond one of two ways. For some of us, you know that you're in the midst of a wrestling match you would have never signed up for. And yet you're in the midst of it and you feel like it's overwhelming you. At the conclusion of our service, we're going to have people up front who are here to pray with you and to pray for you. They're going to be here to journey with you in the midst of this in prayer. And so if you know that you need that, you just know that you need to step forward and kind of that physical step towards God and then confessing that to someone, what you're in the middle of, and then praying with them. If you know that you need that, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. But along with those individuals, if you know that you're in the the midst of a wrestling match with God, you know that you've been battling with something, What I'd like for you to do is everyone with their eyes closed and hearts open, that you would just lift your hands up in front of you as a sign of surrender and a sign of receptivity to God. Hanging on spiritually, it seems so strange, but it also involves surrender. And so as we stand in the presence of Jesus, would you in this moment as the worship team leads us in worship, that you would keep your eyes closed, your hands up in front of you, and you would allow in this moment for you to commune with God, to speak with God, to wrestle with 
If you need prayer, I'm going to invite you to come forward now as the prayer team comes forward. So as the prayer team comes, if you feel like you need confession, a time to confess and a time for people to pray with you, you'd like to relay your need, please come forward with the prayer team. Let the rest of us who are in the midst of a wrestling match, let's stand in God's presence. God, be with them in profound, profound ways. 
And with your grace, help them to hang on tight and to trust and to hang on and to never let go until the blessing and the release of God comes. And now may the Lord bless us. May the Lord keep us. May he cause his face to shine upon us. And may he give us peace. Continue to worship. You can slip out quietly when the time is right. God bless you.
You are the one. 